Isaiah chapter 14 is another text that gives us information about Satan as an angel uh, before he fell. And we're going to start there and then we're going to uh, see how that parallels what Ezekiel 28 says. And we're going to then go there again and notice the second major detail that the Bible gives us about Satan. Uh, the, the first detail that we have noticed is that he was gifted with musical abilities and that all the angels are and that that is one of their main activities is to sing around the throne of God to praise him and to lead in the music. Um, when God created music, he, get, he equipped the angels to be able to perform that music. And that Satan was either the top or one of the top angels who was gifted in the area of music and how then that relates to that he uses music today to try to oppose God's work. There is a second major detail that uh, Ezekiel 28 tells us about Satan, and it's a second major tool that he uses, and we're going to talk about that and see some interesting facts of how it all parallels and relates together, even to what we deal with today, and we're going to notice that today. We'll start in Isaiah 14, and verse, let me find it here, verse 12, and the context of this section is addressed, it's a prophecy or judgment against the king of Babylon. Uh, Ezekiel 28, it's the king of Tyre, now it's the king of Babylon. And those were two areas that Satan really worked in, Tyre and then Babylon. And so the prophecy and the judgment is directed at the king of Babylon who was used by Satan and the king of Tyre who was used by Satan, and the, the judgment is directed against and spoken to Satan, and it gives us information about them. Verse 12, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, <clears throat> I will ascend into heaven. <clears throat> I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. And so we have here a name of given to Satan of Lucifer, which means uh, the day star or star of the morning, literally a star. And this is uh, a common thing we, we're seeing here in the study of angels, that they are uh, called stars many times. We saw that in the book of Job. Uh, we see it in the later verses. And um, that's a symbolic reference uh, that God calls the angels stars. And Satan here is called the day star. This is another indication that Satan was the top 
angel because he's given this name of the star, the star of the morning that indicates he was perhaps the top angel over all the others. But notice in verse 13 of what Satan said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Now remember what Satan's place was. We saw in Ezekiel 28. He was the anointed cherub who covers. He uh, just says in the, uh, over the mercy seat, the cherub there spread the wings over the mercy seat where God's throne was, God's presence was. That Satan had that top spot in heaven that he covered the very throne of God. He had that closest place to God. There was only one thing he didn't have. He didn't have the throne of God. And that's what he wanted. And all of the angels, as Satan did, he was exalting God's throne, God's presence, and he uh, focused attention on that. All the other angels then followed him. They were praising God. Satan at some point said, I want to get on this, in and on this deal. I want all of the angels not to worship God. I want them to worship me. And that's what it's saying here. I will exalt my throne above all the stars of God, all the other angels. I want them to worship me, not God. So Satan had that top spot right there at the throne of God, and he said, I want to get the focus here. I don't want the focus to go to God and His throne. I want their focus, all the angels. I want them to say, I want them to praise me and not God. That's what was going on in Satan's heart. That's what led to his sin to want to oppose God and try to take His throne. In Ezekiel 28, where we'll go now, there is a reason of why he wanted to be worshipped. And that's the second major detail about Satan that we're going to look at that informs us about how he works today. So let's go to Ezekiel 28 and notice this. Let's start with verse 14. Ezekiel 28, verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. And I think there's, that's an indication of why God calls them stars. Stars, uh, many of the stars, what are stars? Big balls of fire in the skies, the true stars. They give off light. They're, they're, they're gaseous balls of fire. Bright light. And that's how the angels are. The angels reflect the glory of God and they uh, praise Him for His holiness and they are angels of light, the Bible says. Satan, in fact, masquerades himself as an angel of light and that's how they parallel a star. That's why they're named stars. Uh, their name literally means fiery ones. So I think this is the reason they are uh, called stars. Satan walked in the midst of the fiery stones. Pick it up, verse 15. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, I laid you before kings, that they might gaze at you. So verse 17 says that his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. 
We've already seen that he was covered with all kinds of valuable stones, decorative stones, and apparently he was really a sight to behold. And Satan, it says, as we tie all these things together, he began to say, I want my fellow angels to worship me, not God, not the Lord Jesus, not the Son of God, but me. And it says here, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. That he began to think, I'm really something. I really am impressive to look at. I really look good. He focused on his outward appearance and said, I really look good. All of the angels ought to worship me because of how beautiful I am. Everybody ought to look at me, focus on my beauty and my outward appearance, and they ought to worship me, not God. That's what was going on in Satan's heart. That's what led to his downfall. That was his sin. He focused on the outward beauty and said, I want people, I want angels, or, and later people, but initially it was just the angels. He said, I want all creation and the angels to worship me, which was the cardinal sin. It was the number one sin because worship only belongs to God. Satan was trying to take what belongs to God and give it to himself because he said, I'm beautiful on the outside. I want people to focus on me. I want people to look at me. I want, be people, people, I want angels to be impressed with me. And I want them to worship me because of my outward beauty. That's where Satan's heart is. That's the second major characteristic of him that we see here. In addition to the music. Now, let's tie this together in an interesting way. Informative way. I would, let's say interesting, maybe not the right word. A very informative way for us today. Satan is still working that same way today in a major, major way here on the earth. And he gets people, he tries to trip up people to sin in the same way he did. And it's very informative to see how this all ties together. Uh, just to mention another aspect here, verse 16, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. It's kind of mysterious what it's talking about there. Trading, though, indicates its use in other places to refer to merchandising, of providing you know, goods, things that are that people want to get. And the trade literally, like a barter system originally, you would say, I'll give you what you got for this because you wanted that thing rather than what you had. Acquiring the things. So just hold that in the back of your mind as then I explain this, this next thing of how the king of Tyre comes into play here and why this message was given to him about Satan being hung up on his beauty focused on his beauty and wanting to be worshipped for his outward appearance and a reference to trading. This was spoken to the king of Tyre. Tyre was a city on the seacoast north of Israel. It was the area in the Bible called Phoenicia. Generally, the region was called Phoenicia. The city, major cities in it was Tyre and Sidon. They were on the coast. That region lived by the trade off of the sea, selling in ships. They were, they were uh, very prominent 
in building ships and sailing ships and trading. They would sail around the Mediterranean. They would even sail around to the Far East. And they would trade and get goods and they'd bring them back. And they would sell it to all the people there in, the, in that region. And Israel being one of them. They were big ship traders. They were in the shipping business. They, that's what they were known for. You'll see references in the Bible many times to that. And so I, that's, that's a parallel with this reference to trading that Satan was involved in. In the Old Testament times, the area of Tyre became very, very corrupt. Tyre and Sidon became very, very corrupt. So what does that tell us? Satan was working there. Satan's the author of all corruption of sin in the earth. And he picks different areas to really focus on and to get in there and to get control over. And he corrupts it and he uses that then to corrupt, send out his corruption to other places in the earth. Tyre and Sidon were one of those places in the Bible, the Old Testament Bible times. When Israel had their kingdom during the times of the kings of Israel, Tyre and Sidon were very, very corrupt. They were corrupt through a thing called Baal worship. You remember that? Reading about that in the Old Testament? You see that a lot. Baal worship. Baal worship was very prominent in the area of Tyre and Sidon. Baal worship involved, basically, it was the worship of Satan ultimately, but it was the worship of false gods where they combined sexual immorality with the worship in the way that they would have women priests in their temples and the men would come and bring an offering and then they would have romantic relations with the priestess and they called that worship. It was just using religion to try to cover over sexual, just blatant sexual immorality. But that was their religion. You can see how that would become very popular with the menfolk in a bad way. And they would think, oh, I'm actually doing something religious. When they were just feeding the lust of their flesh and committing sin. It became very popular. It was very, it was very rampant throughout the Old Testament. It plagued Israel. It was uh, very prominent in the area of Midian, where you see in the Old, when the Israel came out of uh, Egypt and the Midianites, uh, B- uh, Balaam, tried to, he tempted them to sin, and, and they were bringing women into the camp in their worship uh, ceremonies. That was the same type of thing. That was the beginnings of Baal worship. This plagued Israel for many years. It was very popular corruption in the ancient world. Baal worship. That was in the beginning with the Midianites. It then really took off in the area of Tyre and Sidon. They were on the seacoast. What happens on the beaches? What happens when people live around the beach? We know what happens today. People see God's beauty of the water and it's a a enjoyable thing and it's a neat thing and it's uh, enjoyable to go and get in the water and cool off and swim around. But what do people do today when when you get in that environment, what do they do in their sinfulness? What do they think they need to do to enjoy that? And what do they do to take advantage of that? They strip down and go naked. 
they take all their clothes off. I mean, almost literally. The bathing suits that are manufactured, designed today, are practically nothing. They practically cover nothing uh, and, and just seek to uncover everything like they're running around naked, practically. We see this sin today. And the beaches tempt people to do that. And it's very, very prominent around the coastlines that people sin greatly by stripping down indecently. And, and the result of that, it promotes all kinds of sexual immorality. Don't make any mistake about it. One does feed the other. And it's rampant. It is rampant. I mean, it's just common sense. People run around the beach ha- uh, naked, and you don't think that that doesn't cause promote sexual immorality? It does. That's why it's wrong. It's okay to go out and swim in the ocean. We can go do that and enjoy God's beauty. That's a neat thing. It is neat. But you don't need to get indecent to do it. You ought to stay decent, and you can do that. Uh, but the world uses that as an excuse to throw off all their clothes and to get immoral. Now let's go back to Bible times. Tyre and Sidon were on the coast. They were on the beaches. They were uh, in ships all the time. They were very much into the water. And it's very likely, same way human nature has not changed, and it's very likely, even though we don't have all the historical details of it, but it's very likely they did a similar thing. That that type, they used that environment to become indecent and immoral. And it's no mistake then that the Baal worship flourished in Tyre and Sidon. And here's how we know that. Here's the connection that we know. You remember the woman Jezebel in the Old Testament that Elijah dealt with, 1 Kings 17? If you'll read there, I read that this week in my Bible reading at uh, Jezebel was the one who brought Baal worship into Israel. She was a Baal worshiper, and she, Ahab married her, and Ahab, the, king of, uh, of the northern king of Israel, who was so wicked, he brought, allowed Baal worship to come in through his wife, Jezebel. And Israel worshipped Baal and became very immoral because they followed Baal worship. Like I described to you earlier. They got into all of that. They greatly corrupted them. And God sent Elijah to them and said, you need to repent. You need to stop worshiping Baal and you need to worship God. You remember the great showdown he said on the Mount Carmel? He said, if if Baal is God, then you worship him. If God is God, you worship him. And and God sent fire down and, and they had a revival for a while where they pulled away from the Baal worship. The, the informative fact is about Jezebel. If you'll read it there, where she was from. She was the daughter of the king of Sidon. Jezebel was from the coast city of Sidon, the Sidonians. She was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. Right where bell worship flourished. On the coast, on the beach. And Jezebel was all about the outward appearance. She was all about looking attractive for men and trying to use that to get things from men and to have power over men. And the same thing is happening today. Uh, There is a, a reference to, a very clear reference to this 
Look at 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 30. You see a very clear example of this. This is when God judged Jezebel and she dies. She's killed. <clears throat> Jehu is an uh, a, uh, army commander who God used to uh, bring judgment on her. And verse 30 says, Now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, uh, Jezebel had gone there to hide. Then uh, when Jehu had come to Jez Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. And then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? You see what she's doing there? She's just following the tenets of Baal worship. She she's using her outward appearance, trying to use her outward beauty to try to impact men. So this Jehu, command of the army, is coming, hunting her down. He knows, she knows he's, she's, uh, she'd already killed Ahab, and now she's coming looking for Jezebel. And she's up in a tower hiding, and she, when she hears he's coming, she says, okay, I'm going to try to win him over. And she paints up her eyes. It's not a new thing, ladies. <laughs> she had mascara then. She painted her eyes. I think she probably painted up really big. Painted all up, adorned her hair, tried to look as beautiful as she could on her outward appearance, and then hung out the window. She was probably dressed indecently too. Hung out the window and tried to influence Jehu with her outward beauty. That's Baal worship. That's Satan thinking, trying to focus on his outward beauty. That's, that's Satan's work, to focus on the outward beauty and to try to impact others or their outward beauty and to get things from them and to have power over them. You see all this is connected? Satan did the exact same thing. This was Satan's sin in, the, in heaven. He looked at his beauty and said, I am really something. I really look good. All the angels ought to worship me because of how I look. He got lifted up because of his beauty and he sinned against God. He said, I want everybody to look at me and be impressed with me and I want them to worship me. Baal worship was his way of promoting this on the earth. Where the men, the women dressed indecently, they tried to uh, tempt the men to uh, follow them because of their outward beauty. And the men did and they made it a part of the religion and called it religion, religious worship. And... That was very prominent. Just all of it was just promoting sexual immorality. And it all came out around the, the beach cities. And you can be sure during the week they headed out to the beach and they probably stripped down. Because, well, if you went to church and you stripped down, what does it matter if you go to the beach and strip down? What does it matter? They did both. That was Baal worship. It was completely corrupt and immoral. And that was Jezebel. She brought that into Israel, to God's people, and God used Elijah to uh, stand up against her. All of it goes back to Satan. Does all of this sound familiar? This is exactly what we have in the world today. Because Satan uses these two things over and over throughout world history. These are his big tools. These are his ways of getting people to sin. And what you're doing, what we do when we do that, we're just following his sin. So what he's doing is he wants to get the world to follow him rather than the world following Jesus. And that's what he's after. 
And he does it in music, there in music, and he does it in the area of outward appearance. This drives the world today. In fact, I would say those two things drive the world today other than you'd add on a third of athletic sports and athletics. Those three things drive, that's what the world lives for. They live for the music that they listen to. They, they live for the outward appearance, what they look like and what other people look like. And they live for sports. Those are the three things. And Satan's behind using all of them as a tool to, to drive people's, bring people's focus off of the throne of God and off of the holiness of God onto Him. Just like today, it's the Lord's Day. It belongs to Jesus. Everybody ought to be focused on Jesus. But you know what people are focused on? They're focused on the baseball game and or the basketball game or whatever is in season or the football game, if it was in football season. It would be on this day because Satan is about trying to compete with the Lord Jesus. That's what he does. And, and one of these areas is the outward beauty. That's what I want to focus on today. The outward beauty. Satan tries to get people on the earth to follow his own sin. And he, is getting, he has a lot of people that are, that are following him. This drives the world. In fact, this, is a, this strikes at our human weakness, our sin nature. Is that we all grow up with this weakness and this wrong focus of our outward appearance. And we think, oh, how do I look? How do I look compared to how that person looks? And how do I measure up? And do they think I look good? All of that is a fleshly focus that was from Satan from the beginning. And it is a sinful part of our sin nature. It is a sinful uh, thought, really, against competing, trying to compete with God. We're thinking, oh, do people focus on me? And uh, if I look a certain way, are they looking at me? Oh, how, what do they think about the clothes I'm wearing? What do they think about how I look? All of that is a sinful rebellion against God. Even if we realize it or not. It's what Satan did. And Satan leads many others. So <clears throat> uh, there, there's, that's in, our, in our, our human heart that Satan then uh, tries to uh, stir up. And he does that where there's this major emphasis on your outward appearance in the world and clothes that are designed to try to make you look good to others. Now, there's nothing wrong with, there's a proper place for, you want to wear clean clothes, you want to wear clothes that, that, that look all right. That's not what we're talking about here. The New Testament talks about that you're going to adorn yourself with clothes and things but the problem is, is when you go overboard, where you become excessive in two areas, either extravagant clothing and hairstyles that's trying to uh, uh, have the purpose of getting focus on you. You want people to look at you and that's your goal and to be impressed with you. And then the second area is immodest dress where you're dressing indecently to attract attention from the opposite sex to get people to look at you and, be admi and admire you for your body. Those are the two areas Satan is, is uh, manipulating and uh, exploiting today. And this shows us what we need to deal with in our own heart. The sin in our own heart, in our mind. We need to renew our hearts and our minds and say, I don't need to be overly focused on my outward appearance. That's not the most important thing. It's who I am on the inside, who I am as a person. And the outward appearance really is not that significant. 
We need to renew our thinking in that. That's godly thinking. Satan's thinking is, oh, the most important thing about you is how you look. And are people impressed with you? And do people really uh, admire your outward looks? That's what the world is all driven by with the movie stars and even the, uh, the uh, sports figures. They're impressed with their physical appearance and their physical abilities. And all that's from Satan. <clears throat> Being focused on the outward beauty. It really is trying to compete with God. I want people to focus on me when they should be focusing on, on God. So we should be focused on how great God is and not be trying to exalt ourselves. Satan said, I want to exalt my throne above the stars of God because of my beauty. And people in the world are saying, I want people to admire me because of how I look. That's where all the movie stars are. But everybody else is caught up in that too. We want to, you know, in our sinful heart, we want to say, oh, I want to, I want to have certain looks so people really admire me. That's the false worship of Satan. And what drives it? Where is it really, really, uh, how should we say, where is it just really prominent? Well, this is like the Bible. On the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon is where it really exploded. And that's where it explodes today on the beaches and swimming. Now, I want to say a word. There's nothing wrong with getting in the water and swimming around. That's enjoyable. It's part of God, what God made. It's an enjoyable part of creation. But you don't need to sacrifice morality in order to swim. You, don't, you should not sacrifice in this area uh, and commit sin in this area in order to swim. And you don't have to. You do not have to strip down to go swimming. You don't. You can still cover your body. And whatever you put on, it's going to get wet. Okay, it's going to get wet. But you still need to cover your body. Don't follow Satan's trap. And, and ladies, uh, it's, for lady, it's for guys and ladies, but ladies particularly you, it's, it's very, uh, very important for you. God has given you physical beauty that he's not given to men. Okay, that's just a fact. That's the difference between men and women. And there is a difference. There is a man and there is a woman, and we know the difference. And God has made that different. And there is an element of physical beauty God has given you ladies in, in, in uh, areas that it's not a part of men, but there's still importance for modesty of men. But I want to start with you ladies, is that in swimming, you need to seek to clothe yourself modestly to swim. And you can, there are, you can search and there are modest swimsuits. But what are my definition, the true definition? You can look up, say, modest swimsuit and you look at it and it's not modest. But there are really modest swimsuits out there that cover your body and when they get wet, they're not going to be really modest. It is possible. It's out there. So we need to make the effort to stay obedient to God in the area of swimming and we can do that. And you need to be on guard about this too. I would urge you that you need to guard yourself. You know, you go to the beaches, and you could go and wear modest uh, attire and go out there and swim. Everybody around you is running around half naked. And that's going to put you in all kinds of temptation. And you're going to see things you shouldn't see. So you need to be wise about that. You, I don't think you should put yourself in that situation. The Bible tells us to stay away from temptation that would be too much for you. And that's going to be too much for, for, for people to see. If you're a normal person, it's going to be too much for you.
So we have to be wise about that. That we can't enjoy those things, but you need to go about it ways where it doesn't put you in the bad situation of temptation. Guys, the same thing. You need to dress modestly. It's not an excuse for you to take off all your clothes, your shirt. I think you ought to still dress like you had. It, get in the water, you, it'll get wet, but you need to stay clothed and uh, cover up. Basically, you know, we have, there's, we have language to describe it that's, that's uh, informative for us. Uh, there's private areas of your body. That means they're private because they need to stay private. That's what that means. Meaning nobody should see those areas. Just stay private. Just you. Just you are a husband and wife. When God brings that, that opens that door for only those two, husband and wife. Anyone else, it's off limits. It's to be private. That means, how do you keep it private? You keep it covered. You keep those areas covered. And what are those areas? What are those areas? What's the areas you cover up with undergarments? That's the areas it is. I mean, it doesn't take, it's not hard to figure out. We know what those areas are. It's, it's also the areas that the world tries to uncover more and more and more in the bathing suits and the other things. And, and it, it's deliberate. They know what they're doing. They know they, they design a garment and they cut it up higher in one area because they're trying to uncover a certain area of the body. We need to be wise about that. This is the, the lie of Satan, is to throw off the clothing to say, look at my beauty, won't you admire me? That is a satanic sin against God. And so, cover up. Cover up when you go swimming. Keep your body covered all other times. And uh, it is Satan's work to try to get people, humans on the earth, to uncover their bodies, to try to throw up, to try to uh, display their beauty and their outward appearance to try to impress other people. That is from Satan. We need to understand that. We need to renew our mind in that. It is a matter of sin. It's more than a matter of just being stylish. And even the, the world being stylish, the world wants to be indecent. We have to say, I'm going to obey God rather than man, and I'm not going to be indecent, even though it's the style. Ladies, right now, the style is... I. I Going in these stores, I noticed the styles now is to, they're making half shirts. I mean, almost like they're cutting everything off the shirt. It's like, I guess we're trying to save on cotton today. I don't know. Maybe there's a shortage I haven't heard about. They cut off the sleeves. They cut off the front as far as down as they can. And they cut off the back, the, the, at the midway, all the way around. It's like we don't have... We've got a shortage of, of materials that we can't make a full shirt anymore. I guess that's the style. But ladies, that's indecent. And we need to obey God rather than the designers in New York who just want to try to corrupt. They're the modern Baal worshipers who want to try to corrupt people on the earth. And Satan's behind it all. And we don't need to be dumb and go along with their sin. But it's frustrating because many Christian people do. And they go right along with it. Say, well, it's just the style. It's just what's on the rack. Well, no. We can always obey God. You always can obey God. And we should always do whatever we have to do to obey God. <clears throat> and I'll say this too, ladies. You've got to think about the tight clothing too. That's an, that's an issue too. Because skin-tight clothing shows your body 
even though it might be covered with a fabric that's brown in color or black or red or whatever color it is, it is so thin that it's showing the shape of your body as if you had nothing on. And that's a problem. I can tell you from a man's standpoint, that's a problem too of temptation. And you need to understand that. The world understands it. It seems like a lot of Christian women say, well, I'm covered, so what's the big deal? But yet the world understands it. That's why they're designing fabrics thinner and thinner, and they design clothes that are skin tight. They know the appeal it has. They know uh, what it does. But somehow Christian women can't seem to make the connection. You know, the, the popular thing today is, I don't know what you call them. I've heard different, basically these stretch pants is what I call them, yoga pants, whatever. They're like this super stretch material, paper thin, and, and they're putting these things on and going out, walking around like they have nothing on, and they think, I'm covered. I'm covered all the way down to my ankles. They're completely displaying their body. And it's, in a, it's, it's indecent. It is tempting to men. That's why the world designs that. That's why the world goes after that. It's the modern day bell worship is all it is. And it's from Satan. And we don't need to be with Satan's work. We've got to understand this. He's doing the same thing. He uses these tools that he has. Music and uh, focus on outward beauty. Sinful focus on outward beauty. He has used that from the beginning. That's what he was hung up on. And that's what he promotes in the world today. And it's from Satan. And it's a part of his rebellion against God. And leading the world in rebellion against God. And we need to be wise about that. And not, having, not participate. And we need to, to worship God. And we, could, we, need, we need to uh, be... Uh, um, renewed and we need to grow in this area just like Adam and Eve when they sinned first what's the first thing they did when they lost their covering I think they had a covering from God a spiritual covering they lost it and they were naked what did they do they went and found fig leaves sewed them together put on basically a modern bathing suit is what they did that was not enough and that's typically what people do they typically don't cover their bodies enough and they go out, and God said, no, 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 that's not enough. And he took animal skins, and he made a tunic. He made a tunic. It was a robe, and covered them. See, God, is, God is, has to teach us and has to grow us to get us to this point. Satan's the one who, who's leading people to undress. God is leading us to cover. The angels cover the throne. God calls us to cover our bodies. So we don't draw undue attention to us, but attention goes to God, not to us, to God, not to our outward appearance, and it stays covered. But Satan wants to get people to uncover themselves to try to compete with people's focus against God. Because see what happens? If somebody is tempted to lust after you because you're dressed immodestly, you know what they've just done? They just sinned against God. And you tempted them to do it whether you realized it or not. You caused them to turn away from God and, to, and actually focus on you and sin against God. And that's what we need to be careful. We're not going to be a part of that. We're not going to participate because we are accountable. I think we're part, partly accountable for that. And this is all Satan's racket that we need to be wise about and turn away from. So that's how Tyre fits into that with Jezebel. And that's, that's a very informative 
aspect in the Old Testament there on the seacoast where Baal worship flourished, just like it does on the beaches of America today. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these truths and help us to, uh, to be careful, to be wise, to worship you, to dress modestly, and to follow your ways that we're to operate according to what you want us to do as creator and not what Satan wants in his rebellion against you. Help us to uh, turn away from over-focusing on our outward appearance and to focus on who we are in, in, uh, your, as your creation and to serve and worship you. And help us to uh, be a witness of these things in the world today that is following immodesty and indecency and, and uh, such uh, excessive ways. And help us to stand against it. Help us to uh, impact people toward your truth and away from Satan's sinfulness in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.